So actually, uh, this morning, we're kind of combining two sermon series that have come together because I'll be preaching from Acts 10, so throughout the summer and uh, the, um, the beginning of the fall, we started with preaching from Acts, and we continue with Acts 10 this morning, but we're also continuing with the sermon series based on the book that some of the small li- uh, living small groups are studying, titled, Where Do I Come In? Joining God's Mission. So those two themes merged this morning, uh, providentially, I would say. So this week we're going to be reading about uh, Peter's vision from Acts 10. And you kind of might figure or wonder, what does Peter's vision have to do with mission? But in this chapter, Cornelius is being transformed by the Holy Spirit. Peter is being transformed by the Holy Spirit. And many others are being transformed through the power of the Holy Spirit and baptized. And so these 48 verses uh, that we're going to be focusing on this morning comes from a devotional in our a study guide about radical hospitality, making room for others. So I will give you a heads up that this reading from Acts 10 is probably going to be a five minute or more reading, so you may find it easier to follow along in your pew Bibles or on your uh, apps, phone apps. Um, It is an interesting story, you can just listen as well. So as we turn to Acts 10, reading verses 1 to 48, um, let's uh, come to God in prayer. Father God, we thank you for your words of grace to us. We thank you that uh, you welcome us into your family as your children. And now we pray a blessing on the reading of your word and the proclamation of your word. Open our hearts to what your Holy Spirit wants us to hear and how your Spirit will transform our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen. So Acts chapter 10, we begin reading at verse 1. At Caesarea... There was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. And he and his family were devout and God-fearing, and he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision, and he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial sacrifice or memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. And he told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and he wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance, and he saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. And it contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. And immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of this vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. And they called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, 
Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate and go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. And a holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into his house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them. And some of the believers from Joppa went along. And the following day he arrived in Caesarea, and Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. And as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. And he said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour. At three in the afternoon, and suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the house of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. And all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. At our last elders meeting earlier this month, one of the elders brought up the idea of hospitality. And where does hospitality 
fit into our theology and into our biblical practice? Where does it fit into our lives and, and even where does it fit into the worship services? Where does hospitality fit into us being the church that God calls us to be? Now this discussion that we had at the elders meeting kind of piggybacked or complemented a discussion that just previously happened at our classes meeting in September. For those unaware, classes is a regional group of Christian Reformed churches getting together discussing common ministries. So at this meeting, at this classes meeting, the theology of hospitality was brought up with, in this case, with respect to infant baptism and infant dedication. And when there are different perspectives on things, it was asked, where does the theology and doctrine of hospitality fit into such a conversation? And many other conversations included. So I think hospitality has been part of our discussions in the church over the past years. I think hospitality will continue to be an important part of our discussions as the church continues with conversations in, with future challenges. Now don't get me wrong. Hospitality is not the only doctrine, but it is important. I'm not elevating this doctrine of uh, hospitality, but I'm also not going to diminish it. So where does hospitality fit into our conversations, into our lives? The English word for hospitality is actually made up of two Greek words that we even use in English today. The two Greek words are, well, the, the Greek word for hospitality is phyloxenia. Philoxenia. And it means hospitality. So it's made up of the word philo, which is love for people. It's not a deep sexual love, but it's a fondness, a liking kind of love. Many of you have probably heard of the city, uh, rather, the, yeah, the city of Philadelphia. It has philo, Philadelphia, in its name, meaning city, Delpho is city, of brotherly love. Philo. The second part of phylloxenia is xenos, or xenia comes from xenos, and it means stranger. We have the English word xenophobia, which is fear of strangers, or fear of people from other countries, or fear of people that are not like us. So xenos, xenia, means stranger. So true hospitality, or phylloxenia, is showing love and compassion to a stranger. I think too often, um, showing hospitality today means showing hospitality to our friends and to people that we are in agreement with. True hospitality is showing hospitality to strangers and with people that we may not have things in common with and maybe not even agree with. Hebrews 13, verses 1 and 2, we read, Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. So we take it to Acts 10, where we're brought into Peter's story about hospitality, about radical hospitality. The current reality of ancient Israel was that the Jewish people had certain specific laws that they adhered to for several centuries. Many of the laws had to do with staying holy, maintaining holiness, keeping away from things that were considered unclean, such as dead people or dead animals and, and even some live animals. So the author of Acts, Luke, is telling us a story here of Peter staying at Simon the Tanner's place. 
Now Tanner, even though he was along the sea, he wasn't a tanner, a tanning person. A tanner was somebody who worked with dead animals. He would convert their skins into leathers. So Peter, by staying with him, was already pushing the legal limits. Tanners would have been considered ceremonially unclean. Cornelius, in the story, was a centurion in the Italian regiment. He was a captain of commander of other soldiers, and Cornelius and his family, as we read, were devout and God-fearing. So here we're told about a Gentile, an outsider, who is considered to be excluded from God's covenant with Israel. In the Old Testament, God had kept Israel apart for no other reason than he had chosen them. God said, I chose you. That's the reason I'm keeping you apart. God also said that over time, Israel would be a blessing to the nations. So the Jewish people, what happened, turned their doctrine of election, their doctrine of being chosen, into a doctrine of favoritism. And when this happens, people become ethnically proud. And it becomes an us and a them. It is us who are inside Israel and them who are not outside of Israel. And so the Lord used Cornelius to send Gentile men on a mission to where Peter was staying. And Cornelius was obedient to God. And so he, he sent three of his men to Joppa. Perhaps you remember uh, the town of Joppa is where Jonah fled to. Um, he fled to this, this town after being sent on a mission by God. Joppa is where Jonah went in disobedience. And now Joppa is where Cornelius is being in obedience, sending three men. So as these men are on their way to Peter, Peter was given a vision from the Lord in which a voice told him to kill and to eat the animals that were in the vision. But the food was considered to be unclean by Peter. And Peter defended the Jewish laws and he stated, Certainly not, Lord. Peter was adhering to the law when he said these words back to God. The current reality, again, was that there were certain commands to ensure the Israelite people remained holy. And so Peter says, I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. Kind of patting himself on the back, probably. The voice repeated it to him. And he was told this three times. And then the vision left. And according to verse 17, the vision left Peter a little confused and kind of wondering what all this was about. Reformation theologian John Calvin, in his commentary on this chapter, he makes an interesting point about what happens in this chapter. Calvin first goes back to the story of Abraham in the Old Testament when Abraham was commanded by God to sacrifice his only son. And Abraham did not oppose the, or defend the command by God. When Peter was asked to kill the animals and eat the meat, he immediately opposed God. Calvin states, John Calvin states, that it's far too many times that believers are more concerned over small and insignificant matters than over the main points of the law, which is love God and love His people. Obedience to God. God had to say it three times to Peter. How many times are we in the church arguing against one another and God about silly, petty things, and all the while being distracted from God's mission of bringing people into Christ, or to Christ, rather. 
thinking that we are being obedient, but really, we're being disobedient. At the same time, the three men appear at Peter's door, and they explain what's going on. Peter invites them in, and he's being hospitable. He's welcoming the stranger, in this case, the Gentile stranger. But hospitality goes beyond this. God was using a vision and story about unclean animals and, and eating, but this was a story, this was also a story of challenging the laws of the day that Jews must not mix with unclean Gentiles. As we read in verse 34, where Peter states, I now realize how true it is that God doesn't show favoritism, but he accepts every nation, the one who every from every nation, the one who fears him and does what is right. Does what is right is according to God's laws not Peter's laws. And the message is the same to all people. God has no favorites. The message for all people from verse 36 is that you know the message that God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord over all. The message is not just for the Jews. The message is for all people, for all nations. And if God has accepted these Gentile believers then the church must as well. In the latter part of the chapter, we read that the Holy Spirit was upon the people. And there's nothing that can stand in the way of the people from being baptized. This is like a mini Pentecost occurring. The Holy Spirit coming down on God's people and His people speaking in tongues and people being baptized and following Jesus Christ. God has transformed the heart of Cornelius, his messengers, Peter, and so many more people. You see, the message is not admonishing one another, but the message, again, repeating verse 36, is that you know the message God sent to the people of Israel. The message of announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Paul, in Romans 10, verse 14, he says, how can people believe when they haven't heard the message? People need to hear the gospel message, but before they believe, they need to belong. So it appears maybe that hospitality might be coming first before the message. We're called to be people of hospitality with a message. Radical hospitality is making room for others. Radical hospitality is part of living out the mission of God. And if we want to be on God's mission, yes, it will include our words, and yes, our words need to be gospel-based, that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, which is you and me. And our words, words which often should be love God and love one another, which we sometimes confusing loving God and loving one another with, with admonishing one another and judging one another. So what if radical hospitality was giving space to someone to figure out things for themselves? And we kind of just walk alongside as a Christian brother, a Christian sister, a friend in Christ, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. Sometimes the journey will be for the other person who may be living wrong to figure out things themselves. 
Sometimes the journey will end up that we who thought we were living correctly, like Peter, were actually needing to be transformed and to change things. And we ourselves have to figure things out. And that God actually used the other person in our own journey to him. And maybe in some cases it's not so much about being right and wrong, but allowing space and ourselves to be transformed by the Holy Spirit of Jesus. He's going to do the work. You see, God has extended radical hospitality to each of us because he has called us out of darkness and into his light. God has welcomed us. We are at one time aliens and strangers because of sin. 1 Peter 2, verse 11 and Ephesians 2, 19. But our God embraced us. And he calls us his sons and daughters because of what his son did on the cross. So how are we being called to embrace others, even full of sin like ourselves? Radical hospitality is opening our arms and our houses and possessions and churches to others. I think first we just have to slow down enough to create margins in our life for additional relationships, and especially with people who are different than us, the stranger. And keep in mind that we too are strangers to somebody else. Instead of being known by society as a church that's against this or it's against that, what if we were known as a church who seeks first God's kingdom and welcomes a stranger? We sang the song, Build Your Kingdom Here. That we truly mean it when we say that we love God, we love all God's people. That we truly mean it when we show on our sign up front, or as the bulletin says, we welcome all. The Spirit made it clear to Peter to listen to those on the fringes. In a book titled Canoeing the Mountains, probably heard it before, by Todd Bolsinger, Bolsinger talks about the importance of listening. The importance of listening and listening to those especially on the fringes. In the case of this book, which was a story about Lewis and Clark and their team's exploration of the West, Bolsinger states that the fringes that they had to listen to during their travels and their journey, when they came, thought they were only going to stay on the, the water, but they came across to the mountains, but the, the fringe voice that they had to listen to was a young Native American girl. And that voice saved their lives. Also, in this also included in this chapter, Bolsinger shares a story about Chimamandi Adichie, and uh, Chimamandi did a TED Talk online on YouTube. And I, I posted the video on Facebook a couple weeks ago for those who are on Facebook. And if you have the opportunity, I encourage you to watch this 20-minute video. The gist of her talk is that we often create a single story about certain groups. And when we create that single story, what happens is that we just label this group a certain way and we create assumptions. We create assumptions about people who are different than us. And that allows us to keep them marginalized. We're to listen to those on the fringes. And I don't think this means fringe members. It might, but more so it means on the fringes in our society. 
in our community. We think of refugees, migrant workers, newcomers, lower income, even homeless. What can we learn from others about radical hospitality? When we show radical hospitality, we are doing mission, and we are proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to others because people need Jesus. People need hospitality. Now, you might be wondering where these name tags come in. Well, they come in from Romans 12, 13. God's word provides us a challenge. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. So we're going to share the need of belonging for belonging and companionship this morning. And we are going to practice hospitality. The challenge today, and you're not being forced to do this, but you are being challenged to do this, is to converse, talk with not only those that you would normally talk with, but show hospitality and talk to the stranger. Meaning talk to someone different than you. Maybe you know them, maybe you don't, but they're different than you. Keep in mind, we too are different to others. Talk to someone you haven't talked to very often or at all. Talk to one of the children, a youth, young adult, seniors, Talk to the group of folks who have mobility issues. They're sitting often in the hall, and, and we have an opportunity to, to talk with them as well. We have made it somewhat easy today with the use of name tags because we assume not everybody knows everybody or remembers their name. At least I have trouble. So you have your name tags on, and feel free to introduce yourselves as well, even though you have a name tag on. May through God's Holy Spirit others be transformed into his likeness, and through God's Holy Spirit, we be transformed more and more into his likeness as well. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, you extend radical hospitality to us, your people, and you've called us out of darkness into your light through your Son, Jesus Christ. You extend amazing grace and mercy to us when we by no means deserve it, so you th we thank you for reaching out to us, for loving us. In response, may we reach back to you by loving you and reach out to your people by loving your people. Transform our hearts and minds to be more and more like Christ and teach us what it means to live lives of hospitality. Challenge us and use us for your mission in this church and on this earth. Holy Spirit of Jesus, take us deeper than our feet would normally go. And make our faith stronger so we are obedient to you and to your will. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.